greetings and salutations. Welcome, friends, family, and faithful viewers of Sharp Talk. And we are coming to you live from frigid Detroit, Michigan, or right outside of Detroit, nonetheless. But it is extremely cold outside. However, I believe we're going to heat it up tonight on Sharp we're Talk. What do you think, heat guys? It up. We're going to heat it up. We are excited. <laughs> we have a champion, Olympic champion uh, on the uh, Sharp Talk show. I am so excited. Yeah, me too. And you know, Dad, in season two, we've been able to interview a lot of really interesting and notable guests. We started off with Mike Lodish, and he was uh, right before Tom Brady surpassed him, right? Has been in the Super Bowl <laughs> some of the highest amount of times. We talked to um, your friend from St. Louis, Frank Cusimano, Dwight Stevenson, Greg Kelser. We've had a lot of really interesting guests. Yeah, interesting guests. But tonight, I am most excited because we are actually welcoming the first woman on our show tonight. And she's not just any ordinary woman. She is absolutely extraordinary. Her name is Michelle Carter. She is a wife, a daughter. She's also a three-time Olympian, a world championship gold medalist. And she also holds the... Um, she also holds the first U.S. female athlete to win in her competition since 1948. So she is a history maker, a world changer, and it is truly our honor and privilege to welcome Mrs. Michelle Carter to Sharp Talk. Hi, Michelle. Oh, hi. Thank you Thanks so for having much. me. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. I was kind of channeling my inner Oprah. I remember when she would um, announce, she'd be like, Michelle Obama. And I'm like, Michelle right? Carter, power in the name. So again, we're so blessed and excited that you are here. And clearly I'm overzealous. So dad, I'm going to let you kick off the interview so we can temper some of this excitement. Tonight. Well, it's uh, very exciting. The first uh, female guest uh, that we've had on, on Sharp Talk. Um, and with the uh, the new president, uh, vice president elect, uh, yes. being African American and Indian descent, I think that the the role of uh, of minority, mainly people that have been oppressed and marginalized for so long, uh, is taking a more prominent role throughout our nation. Amen. And uh, and I, I think that's uh, uh, exemplified here with you, uh, Mrs. Carter. And uh, just want to thank your dad, Michael Carter. Uh, Michael was an outstanding talent outstanding nose tackle. I was yeah. telling him that whenever we played the San Francisco 49ers, I was an offensive tackle. I didn't even mm -hmm. have to play against your dad, but I used to have headaches <laughs> thinking about the chaos, the <laughs> havoc that he would create from that nose tackle position. And definitely, yeah. and I was talking to Dwight Stevenson, another Hall of Famer, your dad should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and if they allowed players, those that played against uh, your father and, and others, uh, to vote, they certainly would have uh, the vote of uh, the competitors that they play. Welcome to Sharp Talk, Michelle. Yes, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to spend some time and talk with you all tonight. Yeah, wonderful. Well, let's jump right into it. Can you tell, tell us where you grew up and um, what really shaped your passion for sports in your formative years? Yeah, so I was originally born in California. Uh, I was a little valley girl, but then we moved to Texas permanently when I was in about third grade. And okay. so um, my parents just told me that I had to do a sport, like not being active was not an option. So my mm -hmm. first sport was um, soccer. Your girl was goalie. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> and I had on glasses about the size of the glasses I have on today. And I got hit in the face one too many times with the ball. And I'm like, this is not for me. Like, I need to find something else. Like, what's out? What, what, what's another one? Because this one's not it. So then I went from soccer to basketball. And I was at a small private school at my church um, at Oakland Bible Fellowship. And they didn't have a girls team at that time. It was just boys. So I was like, well, can I play with the boys? Like I play with them anyway. So I know that's we, I went out there to try out for their team and I was on the team. And then other girls was like, well, if Michelle's playing, I want to play. And so we ended up having enough girls um, to have a girls team, but then no one wanted to coach us. So then my dad stepped up and he was the girls basketball coach for my sister and I. And um, mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I got started. And then by the time I got to public school, of course, it's time for you. To, they put you in every um, for that. To track and field when I was in seventh grade. Interesting. I think we're freezing. I think we're, yeah, we're freezing just a little bit. Okay, that's why I was like, is that me? Like, what happened? <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. The last thing I heard you said was track and field, I believe, in seventh grade. Yeah, so I started track and field in seventh grade when um, the coach just asked me if I wanted to join the track team. And I was like, sure, why not? I went home to my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, can you sign my permission slip? They want me to join the track team. And he was like, who asked you? Which coach asked you? So how many people were in the room when they asked you? Because... <laughs> I didn't know anything about my dad's track and field career because I grew up with him playing football. And back in those days, track and field was considered amateur. And so therefore, when he signed his football contract in that later that year in, in 84, he forfeited the rest of his track career. And I wasn't born until 85. So he knew that I didn't know anything about his track career. And he wanted to make sure that I was choosing this and no one else was making me do it or trying to push mm -hmm. me that way because of what he had accomplished in the sport. Wow, that's really powerful. And and thank God for great fathers, right, who are there. Yes. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit more about the impact that your father has had on your, your journey and just expound on the coach yeah. father and athlete daughter relationship? Well, yeah. So um, my daddy gets on my nerves like everybody else's daddy. Like, like I'm okay. say it, right? <laughs> He's still my daddy at the end of the day. We still bump yeah. heads. But what I've realized over the years is that he wants me to, he wants the best for me. And he wants me to uh, accomplish all the great things that I can and not play myself short. So in the beginning, I think that's where we bumped heads the most when he saw all this potential in me, but I wasn't working towards that potential. I didn't quite see it the way that he saw it. And so we would bump heads a lot because he's like, well, do you not see it? Like, how come you don't want it? Like, you know how good you can be? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever you say. But then when the light went off in my head and I realized like, oh, I'm actually good. So if I work hard, this is what happens. And so when that transition happened within me, our relationship was easier because now he wasn't making me do it. I was willing to do it and I wanted to do it. And now we were on the same page. So then now he, when he gets on me and fusses at me, I know he's just trying to push me to be better. I don't take it personal. Or I'm gonna say as personal. <laughs> can you talk to us, can you tell us uh, what uh, athletic skill sets? I, I know your father was uh, extremely powerful. Um, mm -hmm. He pick up two and three blockers and still get through and tackle uh, running backs, quarterbacks for losses. Tell us about what skill sets you noticed that were inherited from your dad. Yes. I, number one, my shoulders. <laughs> my poor mama. But no. Um, um, but 
my speed. I'm really fast. Um, mm -hmm. And I learned that in college. I was the only thrower at the University of Texas, hook em horns. Uh, I was the only thrower on a team of sprinters. And so I would line up in the blocks and sprint with them and I could beat them within the first 10 to 20 meters. Um, we was at practice. I ran an open 400 meter <laughs> um, for a time trial and I ran it in 59 seconds. And wow. so I was able to use that speed and athleticism within the ring. And that's what my dad had. My dad was super fast, super explosive. And I um, I got that from him, but something that I had that he didn't have as much as I did was flexibility. So it was allowing me to hit different positions differently because I had the range of motion to actually hit those um, positions better. Interesting. And at 400 meters, I, that is a tough race. If if it ever is. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a sprinting for 400, 400 yards, basically. Yeah, I mean, you have to have your strategy. Since I was the only thrower, on I knew the strategy. You got to get out in that first 100. And depending on how good you are, maybe the 200. You coast that good 300 meter, <laughs> and then you just kill it in that last 400. But, um, but I have there my strategy down. <laughs> there you have it. A strategy from a world championship <laughs> gold medalist. So for all of you who are out there playing are running track and field and doing different events. Michelle Carter on what the strategy is to beat I that got you. I got you. <laughs> so, um, Michelle, I'd love to talk about, you know, you made history. I've said it all throughout the interview tonight because I'm just so astounded at your very decorated career. But you made history by becoming the first U.S. female athlete to win the event since the women's competition began in 1948. How does yeah. that make you feel? Uh, it's crazy, like, to think that you were the first to do something, right? Because yeah. in my list of things to do, it wasn't, it didn't dawn on me that I would be the first. Wow. It was just, like, part of my goals. But then mm -hmm. when people start, like, you know you're the first, and I'm like, well, dang, I guess if you think about it, I am. Like, I didn't think about that in the process, but it's good to now have broke that ceiling so that mm -hmm. others come behind me know that this yeah. is possible. You can actually yeah. do it. Now I've done it. Now 15 more y'all, come on, let's go. And mm -hmm. I think that, um, and that, that makes a difference, not just for, um, and then uh, if I'm just going to be, honest, like, especially with me being a black female, it yeah. just really lets people know that, hey, like, you can do this. And those who look like me in a in a, in an event, in a sport, well, at more of an event where not too many people look like how I look. And yeah. now they know that this is an option for them, that you can be great as a plus size woman. You could be a plus yeah. size athlete and an Olympic champion. Like, you Come can- on. Yeah, that is so powerful. And I just want to say, like, thank you for not only making your dreams come true, but for literally being like the fulfillment of a dream. Right. And like yeah. you said, because you are the first, we know that you will not be the last. And we look forward to the generations of women who look like you, who look like me, that will achieve even greater. I don't know how much higher you can get than, you know, gold medal, <laughs> but even greater accomplishments to come. So thank you for blazing yeah. that trail. I'd also like to talk a little bit more about your process to this crowning achievement, because, you know, especially in this world we live in today, we see on social media, people have these great adulations that I know that's one of your one of your words. But what challenges did you have to overcome to make this type of indelible impact on history? Um, I think for me, the biggest thing was just being OK with being me, mm. because as a female athlete, People expect female athletes to look a certain way, 
right? Mm -hmm. And especially back in those days, like in the early 2099, um, you had to really, really look tomboyish to be to be considered great. If wow. you was too pretty, that means you was too prissy and you wasn't gonna be good enough. Mm. But I always had been had this girly girl like within me. Like I normally yeah. would have my hair done, nails done. Like you know, I like to get dolled up for things, and I like to look good. That's just always been me. And I bought that into my sport when people thought like, if you do the shot put, you look like somebody named Helga, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> like that's like if you ever like look at Matilda. There's a few oh. movies that always have that one woman. She's like from Middle Europe. I miss. Um, I, Eastern Europe somewhere. She's big and burly, kind of manly looking. And her name was always Helga. That's the woman that threw the shot play. But then there was me. I was like the total opposite. I would get yeah. my hair done, nails done, wear my lashes, my lipstick. I'll do it up because yeah. I'm about to go out there and compete. And number one, these pictures last forever. And I want to be cute. So, um, and you are just <laughs> all your photos too. I must admit, as I'm going through Google, I'm like, wow, she's really got it in every single one of these yes. captures. So I, I Thank see that you. coming to life yes. photos. Yeah, so I, I I had to just be me. And that was, I guess I would say that that was my superpower, allowing myself to be myself and being okay with that, not conforming to what people thought I should look like, how they how I should compete. Cause still today, like I don't scream and yell throwing a shot put. Everybody else scream and yell. I don't. And everybody's like, why don't you scream? If you scream, you throw further. I'm like, but I still won gold. Right. <laughs> so it's like, let me be me. Let me do me the way I do me. And you do you how you do you. Whatever works for you is fine. What works for me is fine, too. So it's a whole word. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that, that's awesome. That awesome. That's awesome that you've reached the, the iconic level in, in your uh, individual sport. And you don't see yourself as being superior or inferior to anyone. Uh, you're confident in who you are and you know that your your best value is in being just who God made you to be yeah. and you're comfortable in your own skin. That that says a lot. Yes. It's like, um, well, knowing where my background comes from as a Christian, like knowing what God says that he created me with a purpose. He, what he created in me is for good. Like yeah. if he felt that I was good enough to be who I am on this earth, cause here I am a plus size black female athlete who grew up with ADHD and dyslexia, who has Hashimoto's disease. You know, like I have all these issues, but if he felt that I was good enough as who I am and why not be all that he created me to be? Wow. Because there was a reason he created me. Um, to be this way like he didn't make me by accident it was done on purpose and so knowing that like I, I and, and I didn't feel good um, dimming myself down yeah. to fit anybody's standards it didn't feel good to me I didn't feel my best and so just kind of stripping away what others expectation was and realizing who God created me to be and allowing myself to be that even if it was um lonely left uh, I'm the odd man out but i'm like you know it's not just for me like god has a reason and a purpose for everything that he does and so mm -hmm. i'm gonna do what i feel that he tells me to do and let him work it out <laughs> hey man that reminds me of a scripture it says that he knit you to, he knit us together in our mother's womb and he knew us yeah. before he brought us forth and ordained us uh, a prophet yeah. so that's yeah. awesome when we can identify you know, and see ourselves through the eyes of God. Yeah, it's a yeah. total game changer. 
Um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your faith. That was one of our questions, but you just slid right into it, which obviously demonstrates its importance and its power in your life. But how have you relied on faith throughout your journey? You talked a little bit yeah. about your identity in Christ and who he made you to be. And that helped you to really apprehend, um, you know, just all of your beauty, right? Flaws and all. But what yeah. other elements of faith have been important for you to cling to throughout your life? Yes. So, um, you know, growing up, I do think like um, what you surround yourself um, with the most is what shows up when you're in trouble. Right. Mm. So growing up, um, I was heavily in church. I went to a private Christian school. So learning verses and doing the Wednesday night Bible study or wanna like all those things yeah. may have seemed corny to a lot of people. But I appreciate it now that I'm grown because mm. I have all these the the scripture is hidden in my in my heart. So when things happen, like scripture pops up all the time. And I could always, and I know to go to the Bible for um, that support and those resources. But another thing that kind of really made a big difference in my faith journey was in 2016, when, when, um, when God really had me to dig deeper in walking in faith. Because um, you hear walking by faith, but I didn't really understand what that meant and you hear it, but until you kind of do your own research and what it means for you, because I feel like it's different for everybody on how you're going to walk through faith. So in 2016, I um, got hurt three months before the Olympic trials. I had a herniated disc in my back. Here I am having like the best year of my whole career. I'm like, oh, I'm about to kill it. And then I wake up one day, can't walk. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Like, why? Right. Literally, and I'm on. trying to figure out like, what, what's, what's going on here? Like, what do you want me to do? But I kept getting the word like walk by faith, walk by faith. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, what does that mean? So then I had to do like a, a, a Bible study for myself. I was just listening to a lot of different sermons by different pastors about faith. I would read all the verses about faith. Um, and so he got what it kept bringing to me. It was like really believing what God says is true. Right. Mm -hmm. And acting as if it's already done. So if God had already said so heavy in my spirit that I was going to win the Olympics, but now I'm hurt. Like, how am I going to win? And now I'm not 100 percent. But then he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. So then I realized that I'm not doing this on my own. And so what really had to happen, he had to knock your girl off her high horse and be <laughs> like, oh, you thought you can do it? Try again. It's me, not you. And so during that process, I had to realize that. OK, if God is who he say he is and if his word is true, that if I never touch a shot put from this day in three months, go to the Olympic trials, I can still win the Olympic trial because wow. that's the kind of God he is. Come on. And if I yes. never touch a shot put again from the Olympic trials to the Olympic Games, that I can still win because that's the kind of God he is. He can do any and all things. There's no limit to what he can do. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really release my control over my situation, mm -hmm. but line up with what he has put in front of me because even though I don't know how it's going to end and how I'm going to get there, what's that? I do know how it's going to end. He told me I was going to win. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but yeah. all I could do was the next best step. Come on. And so that's really what um, walking in faith really turned out to be for me was taking that next best step. And if you did take a little misstep, he's going to redirect you to make the right step. But you have to like be intentional about looking for him throughout the day and in the details. And so that's what really 
bumped my faith up and really believing in who God says he is when he took away my control so that he could be in control because me winning wasn't about me. It was about him and his glory. And so he kind of had to put me in my place, but then I get to see a different side of him on how he always going to take care of me and how he says, when I come to him, like his yoke is easy. And like all the words and that he says in his Bible is true because I had to walk out these things and he hasn't filled me yet. So why not keep rocking? <laughs> you know, uh, I think it was King David said that the word was a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. Yes. And it sounds like you rely on that word through Bible studies and through relying on God speaking through you, through the scriptures, the truth. Yes. And that's yes. what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. So God says it. We better believe it's the truth. It's going to happen, whether we feel it, whether we tr- we just know that he cannot. Two things God cannot do. He cannot fail and he cannot lie. Amen. No, nope, he, he cannot. He cannot. And he clearly chose you as his vessel because he knew that you would get to the other side, become the world champion, gold medalist, but also share your testimony. And I'm sure yeah. you releasing that word with such conviction and power. Powerful, yeah, powerful, powerful. I know. I mean, it encouraged and edified yeah. me. And me too. And yeah, I'm sure you. everybody, you know, who, listening, listening. exactly. Everybody listening to this yeah. broadcast and to all the other great speaking engagements that you do. He knew that you, he could trust you with this type of influence and power. Yeah. And so I just thank you for being obedient to the word of God and for not growing weary in your well-doing. Though I don't think your dad would have allowed you to do that, but uh, you, know, you, you, know, you had that courage and that boldness to keep going. And I think something that is so powerful about what you're doing is really utilizing your sport and your platform to be an impetus for social change as well as, and you mentioned it earlier, really redefining what beautiful is, right? We're inundated with images in the media of what what it means to be beautiful, which most people in the world don't look like what we see, right? But you are really showing up and saying, hey, this is what beautiful is. Beautiful is being strong. Beautiful is being smart. Beautiful is being courageous. Can you talk about how you are taking your story and inspiring um, female athletes and really girls and women everywhere, redefining beautiful? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it's a journey because number one, I can't change how I look, right? I can't. I technically you can through surgery, but there's only so much you can do with that before only you start so much, really yeah. looking funny. But <laughs> I, I realized, like, okay, if this is what I am, and this is what I have. Why not use it to my advantage, mm, right? Okay. Like, like when I say, like, um, <laughs> when I was born, my parents didn't know what sex I was. So when uh, I was coming. And they got to my shoulders. They was like, oh, like he's going to be a football player because these shoulders are big. And then they was like, oh, wait a minute. It's a girl. <laughs> and then it's like, I have all these features for what? For It was it was for something. I had to use what he gave me. And so if we looked at what we have as a bonus and not a, a something positive and not something negative, right. then we can be unstoppable in so many ways and just embrace who we are. And then what really made another shift for me in my beauty was when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune disease where my body, my body, my immune system attacks my thyroid and it causes a lot of issues. And I fluctuated with my weight so much um, because it just wreaks havoc on my body. And Mm -hmm. I kept thinking about, well, I'm not going to buy new clothes until I lose weight. But I was sick and I wasn't getting any better. So I wasn't losing the weight. 
But I kept holding on to this image of what I used to look like. And I was neglecting who I was in this moment today. And so mm. it kind of dawned on me, like, if I don't appreciate what I have and who I am today, then how I'm going to um, appreciate what's going to come and what's going to be in the future. Because what happens is mm. we hold on to the past and then we look for the future and then you don't appreciate what's going on right now today. But right now today is what you're operating in to get to the future. And so I feel like mm. we're missing the ball when we're looking um, behind us and too far in front of us. And we miss what God is doing today in front of us. So here I am at the Olympic Games, a female athlete, and I am 300 pounds. Wow. How much? 300. Wow. wow. I don't look like I'm 300 pounds. Your girl's solid, right? But um, but it, I was, at first I used to be embarrassed about that because I never wanted to be that heavy. But with my thyroid disease, I, it, it makes it really hard for me to lose weight. Um, mm -hmm. But knowing that I was 300 pounds and I still won. Wow. <laughs> So if I, but I only was able to do that by just embracing who I am today and yeah. not wishing I was something else and missing out what my body can do for me today. Wow. So powerful. And again, you use your story, you use this triumphant testimony to really inspire girls and women around positive body image, goal setting and self-confidence. So one of my favorite scriptures with the enemy meant for evil, God is not only yeah. using for my good, but also the saving of many other lives. So can you talk yeah. about some of the endeavors that you've been able to participate in and even birth yourself around these facets for girls and women? Yes. Well, actually, uh, in 2009, I was in the first ESPN body issue. What? <laughs> yes. Wow. Before you had to be totally naked. I, I still had clothes on because my daddy wasn't having that. Right. <laughs> but um, wow. yeah, that that was that was um, a great experience because that started to really show the different bodies of female athletes. Yeah. Um, but also, I have my girls' camp called You Throw Girls Sports Confidence Camp, where. Um, I encourage young female athletes just to be confident in themselves and build up their confidence because once they can believe in just who they are um, without their athletic skill, they can put that confidence into anything. Like mm -hmm. I just want them to believe that who they are is more than enough and they can do anything. Um, and so I have my camp and then um, that's like the main thing I do. So then I do a few things online. I like to talk about, um, I call it my makeup Mondays. I haven't done it in a little while because I'm trying to revamp it a little bit. Okay. But I talk about what I feel confidence is. And while I'm doing makeup, because sometimes people think that makeup can be superficial, but some people just like makeup. I just like makeup. I just think it's fun to play in and I could just change how I look a little bit here and there. Like, cool. Just like I could change my hair. I love it. So um, I talk about how confidence is really boils down to you trusting you mm -hmm. um, to show up for you. Because I think um, confidence talks about having trust in something or someone. So when you have self-confidence in yourself, you're trusting you for you. And when we are able to really think about confidence in that way and keep our promises to ourselves, then that really makes us feel good because now we are able to operate in our strengths and we can still operate in our weaknesses because we know where we're weak and that's okay. And we can go get the help that we need um, mm -hmm. because we know we need that help in that area. But over here, I got that. And that's what really confidence is, is when you know all of who you are and you know when you need help and it's okay. And you know when you got it and that's okay too. And, um, 
So I really enjoy having um, those type of conversations because confidence is more than looks. Amen. Looks only shows you what you have in the inside, but also looks are deceiving. You can look good, but your insides is jacked up. <laughs> so we want to look at the whole picture, but we want our inside and our outside to match, that we want to be good on the inside or just be as beautiful we are um, on the outside in the inside as well. You know, I, I hear a lot of acceptance and and uh, what you're sharing. And uh, and, and one of the, the things that I've learned is that when I'm disturbed is because some person, place, thing or situation does not meet my expectations. Yeah. Until I accept that person, place, thing or situations as being exactly the way it's supposed to be. Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Then I can find yeah. no, peace or, no peace or serenity. And that would include you know, my physical attributes, I, none of us are perfect. We got areas that, you know, we, we don't like, but the fact that we are created in his image and after his likeness, and he gifted us with everything that we are supposed to have to be whatever it is that he wants to accomplish in our lives here on earth, yeah. you know, you get a lot of acceptance. And I think that gives a lot of freedom. And I hear a lot of that in what you're sharing with us. Yeah. Acceptance and honesty, honesty. A lot of us, we lie to ourselves, mm. right? We lie to ourselves. And when we lie to ourselves, it's, you're only deceiving yourself, right? So you're not really facing what's really going on. And there's those times where um, it hurts to be honest with yourself. Mm. It doesn't feel good. And you have to be vulnerable, like especially when we're with our relationship with Christ. Like He knows everything. Right. But we still try to act like we're telling him something new and we still withholding information about something he already knows. But when you are honest with what's going on and what you're doing and, and know that you're not doing everything that you could to put yourself in the best position or you're not taking care of yourself the way that you should. Like in that moment of honesty is where you get your strength from. And then you can accept yourself in the process. But you have to be honest with yourself to get there, um, to get to that other side. Yeah. Absolutely. You got to get out of denial. Got to get yeah. out of denial. And walk in truth. And we thank God Absolutely. that we know who truth is, right? He yeah. is the truth, the way, and the light. And as you were speaking, uh, Michelle, I thought about a scripture actually in Proverbs, Proverbs 31, but it's charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So it's like all of those things that the world places so much importance on, that stuff will fade away. But somebody whose yeah. heart is really set on God and his word and his statutes and attributes, that is what will be, you know, eternal, as well yeah. as that is who God says is to be praised. And you are definitely a woman who fears the Lord. So I get excited about that because <laughs> I think it's just so beautiful. And something else that I thought was really wonderful as I was doing some background research on you is your line, Beauty and Strength. And so you have jewelry that is inspired by yeah. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit, I mean, about the inspiration behind the jewelry? Yes. And so I have on one of my necklaces today. I, oh, wow, well, we can't see yeah. it. mic in the Oh, way. can you see it now? Yeah, now we can. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I came up with this idea in 2016 because for some reason, um, Philippians 4.13 was just sitting so heavy on me um, starting in in um, in 2015. I remember um, after my season, I moved home with my parents. And before I could even get settled in my own room, because I had, you know, like, you know, when you move out, that room becomes storage. So I had to go clean the room out. But I was like sleeping in the den 
on the air mattress, on, on my mattress, not an air mattress, but on my mattress for a while. And I just remember waking up in the middle of the night because I was saying this verse out loud mm. and I woke myself up. And so I'm just like, that is so weird. And wow. so as time goes on, this verse just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. So then when I had got hurt and I had to really lean on this, um, on that verse saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Cause right now I am broken. I am hurt. I am weak, but God, I need your strength. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, I need a little reminder for myself. And so I, um, reached out to a lady that I had a, got her information like three years ago and I kept her card because she was a jewelry maker and I asked her, this is what I want to do, but I only wanted one for myself. But the lady really encouraged me to um, order bulk so I could sell them because she said, well, this could really have an impact on people's lives. Yeah. And I was like, really? Like, okay. I, but I, I, so I did it. But it was like my little reminder for myself that when I see this, I can know that I can, but it's also a reminder that I can and I'm not doing it by myself. Amen. Amen. That is such a powerful message to reverberate throughout the world that we really can do all things through Christ yeah. who gives us the strength. So just, again, powerful work. And it's so beautiful to see you shining your light, um, you know, and all these good works, but really so that people can glorify your father in heaven. So, so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, you're, you're being a light. Uh, Jesus yeah. says, uh, you don't take a light and put it under a bushel or under a bed. He says, yeah. you're the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Let your light so shine. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Shine that men will see your good works. And what do they do? They glorify the Father, which is in heaven. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are you up to today? Um, I know we've talked about a lot of different things. And of course, you know, when you were in the Olympian training and travel and performance. But what are you up to today? Well, I'm actually still training. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going for my fourth Olympic team this year. If the really? Olympics are happening, we, we're going to wait and see. Um, I still feel like I have a couple of more years in me, so I'm still training. Okay. But I am working on other projects because um, with Auntie Rona, she showed me like, oh, we got to start working on some other things. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have a track season. And so I definitely been picking picking up my my speaking as of lately, and I really enjoyed doing that, just sharing my stories and encouraging people um, with that. But I also have my camp called Youth Throw Girl Sports Confidence Camp, and we went virtual this year, which was different, right. but we still were able to do it, and hopefully we'll um, see what happens this year. I don't know, but. Um, but then also I have my nonprofit called One Golden Shot at onegoldenshot.org. And through my nonprofit, I raise money to send girls to the camp because um, we get girls from all over the U.S. And they get to come and spend the weekend with me and my Olympian friends and professional athlete friends and different professions, whoever we bring in. And then we also um, I have a program called um, Fueled Up is where we uh, feed track teams in the Dallas-Fort Worth area um, on the days of track meets. Because I started to notice when I would go to these meets that these kids weren't having meals and snacks at track meets. And their schools couldn't afford to make sure that they have food. or and, you know Their parents probably couldn't afford it either. So um, we're raising money so that we can help feed these teams so that they have the fuel that they need to compete at their best. And then also my third program in my nonprofit is called I'm Supported, where we are providing sports bras for young female athletes. Because, again, having the right equipment for what you need is um, a, a real confident booster. And I hate to see when young girls are out there and don't have the proper equipment that they need to feel confident. It, it 
it weighs on them and I want them to feel their best. So that's a new program that I'm excited to launch this year is to really um, make sure these girls have everything they need to be successful. Um, and then with that, I do a little makeup on my side. That's my little side side hustle. And I'm launching a couple of projects this year that I'm really excited about. Yes. Well, the grass certainly isn't growing. <laughs> You've got a lot of really brilliant things happening and that's wonderful to see. I also noticed that you recently got married. So can you talk a little bit about uh, your personal life as well? Yes, so I got married in 2019, January 25th, 2019. So we just celebrated two years. And thank you. And I ended up marrying someone I knew since I was five years old, which oh, was really? crazy. <laughs> yes. How'd that happen? So what had happened was like <laughs> we, grew, we grew up together at church. And so wow. I known his family for years, his cousins, uncles, and he knows my family. And we've always been friends, like just straight up friends. And um, he ended up going to the East Coast for school. And he lived out there for like 14 years before he moved back to Dallas. So when he came home, we would like get together, just hang up, hang out. But it might be like, with him and his brothers and his cousins type of thing. So in 2016, um, actually, no, 2015, his uncle passed away. So I went to the, um, to the funeral and then we hung out that night. And it was funny because this guy was like super drunk and he was just talking to us. He was like, so how long y'all been married? We was like, oh, we're not married. We're friends. He said, dude, what's wrong with you? How come you're not marrying her? And we was like, cause we were just friends. I was like, don't worry about it. He's drunk. And so then we fast forwarded to 2016. It was around my birthday. And our birthdays are like 11 days apart, which is crazy because my parents' birthdays are pretty much the same way. And um, he was like, what you doing for your birthday? So he, I said, I'm just meeting my girlfriends for dinner and my god kids. And so he came up to the dinner. And it was so funny because my god kids had attitudes. They were looking at me like, Mimi, who is this man? We don't know him. Right? <laughs> and so they had a whole attitude. And so he had invited me to go to the fair because, you know, the Texas State Fair is a big deal um, in the state of Texas. If you're ever in Texas around late September, early October, go to the Texas State Fair. It is worth it. And so he was like, I want to go again. I'm like, good, I haven't been yet. Now I have someone to share my food with. And so we're like there, we're just hanging out. I'm like eating all the foods. I ain't thinking twice about anything. And then he's just looking at me and I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? Then he says, um, well, this is not bad for our first date. Like, you funny. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I laughed it off. He said it several times throughout the day. And I'm like, I guess. Like, okay, he just playing. Like, he must have been on a date in a long time. That's what I was thinking. And so over time, he kept, like, calling me and texting me. And I'm like, I think he's serious. Like, I don't know. Like, why you like me now and you didn't like me back then? Right. And then right. he was like, well, I always thought you was cute, you know, but we were just friends. And I'm like, all right. Like, I'm like, giving him the side eye because I'm like, we've known each other way too long for you to all of a sudden like me now after I won I'm like hold up <laughs> but um we started talking hanging out more and more and then we um we kind of sat down and kind of had the conversation like what what's going on here like I need to know and yeah. that's he told me that he was interested into really getting to know me and start to date and see what happens and so um 
when it was funny because when we were hanging out around the holidays and he's coming to my family house and I'm going to his family house and then his cousins walk in the door like, so where this girl you dating? Hey, Michelle. And they just talking and we're going on. And they was like, so where the girl at? And they was like, it's Michelle. They was like, Michelle? Like, what happened? Wow. <laughs> and so his dad was like, oh, since they're dating, he said, they're going to get married. He said, I don't see why they will break up. And we got married and it's been great. Wow, that is a even there's a common incredible love story. I love it. That sounds yeah. so adventurous and it's beautiful to see like the full circle work of God, right? Who would have known he was right under your nose the whole time? The whole time. And I I would I would even it took a while, even when we were dating, like, is this for real? Like, are you for real <laughs> with this? Like, are you serious? Because it was like, okay, I'm because I knew what type of guy he was. I knew he was a good guy. And, yeah. you know, as women, you have to, we're a little guarded sometimes when you're dating someone. And when someone says they're serious, like, like how serious are you? And over time, he really proved how serious he was because he was very consistent and intentional. And so that's how I knew that he was serious. Um, and I was like, okay, well, he's really making the effort. And I, that's when I was able to kind of like let down some of my guards to let him yeah. in. Um, and so sometimes your husband could be sitting right next to you and you don't know it until the, the timing is right. And, and God opened your eyes and opened his eyes to see you different. Cause in that day, like in the middle of the day, his view of me changed wow. like just all of a sudden. And we've known each other for like 30 years. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And, and I'm sure he is a man, uh, after God's own heart, a man of God loves the Lord. He is. And you guys uh, attend church together. I, I noticed on your Facebook page, you were praising one, one Sunday. You got into the spirit of praise and uh, just praising God uh, publicly on your Facebook page. I saw that one day. Well, yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that's hard. That's hard mm -hmm. um, to do openly because mm -hmm. I know um, everybody who followed me isn't a Christian. And, um, but I know that there are people who I'm supposed to witness to, even if it's not directly, but the words that I say, and mm -hmm. that there's that, like, the Christ in me will ignite someone else to see Christ in a different way that they could allow, uh, set them in their life. So, um, I try to be as open as I can with it. And if God really places like a word on my heart or something to say, I try to say it and be obedient because I don't know who it's for. And but yeah. I don't want that person to miss out on their opportunity because I'm disobedient. Mm. That's a good word right there. Obedience is better than sacrifice, right? So when the Lord right. places something on your heart, even if you got to do it afraid, right? Do it because it literally it. could be the key that unlocks somebody else's breakthrough. And yeah. you are clearly conscious and aware of that. This has been such a blessing. I always ask people as we wrap up and, you know, we've talked about a lot, like a plethora of different things, but, and I know you're still young, we're still young, but yeah. what do you desire for your legacy to be? Man, um, my desire for my legacy, I guess I'm still kind of working it out. I know that part of that is I want people to know that I was a Christ follower and that um, if I can encourage others to do the same, like that will be my legacy. I, I want them to know, like when you say my name, like you know that I was a Christian, you know that I showed love, you know that I had compassion, you know that I like to help and give back to people. Like I want, 
I want that to be my legacy so that it encouraged others to do the same because, um, you know, one of my verses that always pop up is to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. And um, and I think that's what's missing in the world. We're not willing to love each other as we love ourselves. So that's why we have so much divide and so much hate. But mm -hmm. as a Christ follower, I have to show that love. Amen. To everyone. And I guess that's what I really want my legacy to be is, is know that it's love. That's, that's our, the missing ingredient in all our lives, but really Christ's love. When the, uh, the power of love replaces the love of power in this world, then we, yeah. will, know, we will know peace. And yeah. uh, I just want to say that uh, from a father's perspective, and I know that you're being a, a living legacy. I know your dad is, uh, is very proud of you. And I know he'll listen to this interview and his heart will be will be warmed with uh, your testimony and the people that you have uplifted, encouraged and edified uh, on this evening. Yeah, and really both parents. I mean, I know you know her dad well, but I think that you are also just such a wonderful snapshot of what it means to train a child up in the way they yep. should go. And even if they take some, you know, I call them divine detours and delays, <laughs> but when they get older, <laughs> they will not depart. And that is yeah. so evident throughout your life, Michelle. So again, we are just so blessed and thankful and truly honored uh, to have spent this evening with you. Thank you for all of the incredible work that you are doing. Um, I know we love to support our guests in many ways. So if there's ever anything we could do with your nonprofit or any of the endeavors that you are currently undertaking, please let us know. Um, yes, love to go back into the community. So thanks again. I have, I have one more question. Oh, talk, sure. talk about your dad when he played with the 49ers. Uh, you were young, obviously. Do you remember? Uh, did you attend any, any of his games? Any Pro Bowls? Yeah. Any so, well, so um, my dad was very protective of us. Um, so um, there was a little situation that happened where he brought me to an event and the fans went crazy over him. And I kind of separated from him a little bit. And he couldn't find me for like two seconds. And that scared him. So we didn't go to too many games because he wanted to make sure that we were safe. But really what I remember the most was being in the stands eating hot dogs and popcorn with my friends. Um, and there was one game. Actually, there's two games I remember because there was a charity game where the women played football. So my mom was playing football that day and my dad was a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that game because that was fun because my dad would just jump so high. I thought it was so funny. And then um, the the Your last game, was a cheerleader? he was a, it was he was a cheerleader because it was like a charity game. So the football mm -hmm. wives were playing against each other, and then the the men were the cheerleaders on the side. So they had like their little like just regular regular shirts and shorts and with the pom poms, and they were cheering. So I remember going to that game. How we uh, would love your dad to be in on the sideline cheering when we played against him. <laughs> well, that wasn't a charity game. He was getting paid for that. So, uh, <laughs> right, then, right. Um, wonderful, wonderful. I remember we wasn't at the game, but when my dad actually scored the touchdown, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I want to say maybe in 92, because we were actually already in Texas and he was still playing. I think it was a playoff game. And I remember us watching him and he caught the ball and he was running. And my mama was screaming and hollering. My little brother was like a baby. He started crying because he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and I was like, like, run, daddy, run. And Aww. he scored the touchdown. And so I just remember that moment where he had that moment and they had made some T-shirts. They called it the run. And it was pretty cool. 
Oh, wow. And really... you must have been like, what, six, seven years old around that time? Um, I was more towards the end. I was more probably like, yeah, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Good story. Good story. Thank yeah. you for sharing. And we no wish you the absolute best in your training as you prepare yes, for the next you. Olympic Games. We will be watching you and cheering you on. And I know everybody tonight, you definitely gained more fans on tonight because <laughs> who you are internally. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We yeah. thank you so okay. much for yeah. sharing your heart um, and sharing that you are part of the, the family of, of God and, uh, and encouraging and uplifting us and many others that uh, are watching the show. And uh, let's continue to lift uh, one another up and this nation, all of our yeah. leaders up. You know, prayer is the most powerful tool that we have this side of heaven. So yeah. uh, we, we will include you in ours and please include us in yours. I will. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Wonderful. Yes, it has been fun. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Michelle Carter, everyone. Whoop, whoop. Yes. All righty. Well, Dad, that was a wonderful show. Michelle is so awesome. So grateful that we got a chance to meet her and chat with her. Yeah, she uh, uh, she was mag magnificent and uh, and very candid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and 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 faithful. Uh, a strong uh, testimony of God. All that God has done in her life. Uh, yeah. Got injured. Before I think she said the 2016 Olympic mm -hmm. and uh, that uh, scripture, I can do all things through Christ uh, was sung in her heart. And she relied on that word and won the Olympic, won the uh, gold medal, gold medal that year. What a testimony. Such a powerful testimony. I'm just so grateful that we have a platform where we are able to share powerful testimonies such as Michelle. So we look forward to more Sharp Talk. Amen. In the future, we, as always, may the Lord bless you, keep you, be Shout gracious out to, to you. Michelle's dad, Michael Carter. Mike, thanks for uh, helping us. Uh, your daughter on Sharp Talk. Shout out to you. Be blessed. Stay safe. And uh, we'll look to catch you uh, to catch you guys, all of our listening fans and friends on Facebook with the next uh, Sharp Talk. May the Lord bless you and keep you, be gracious to you, lift up the light of his countenance unto you and give you shalom. God bless.